Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Kara, and we're two homeschooling moms doing this homeschooling thing right beside you. We don't have it all figured out, but one thing we know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Hey, Kate. Hey, Kara. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. We've got questions today. Questions. Yes, lots of really good questions, and we should just jump right in maybe, huh? <laughs> okay. The first one comes from Alicia and it says, I would love to hear that I am not alone in having a self-employed hubby who works nights, irregular hours, and drifts through our space as he goes about his daily life, supporting us, often hijacking my homeschool plans with his own spontaneous <laughs> and far more exciting plans for the day. There's also the challenge of keeping a house full of kids quiet while he sleeps. Please say there are more moms out there who find it awkward to be teachers while the principal is standing in the room making his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that is tricky. <laughs> I have to be honest. I think that would drive me a little nuts. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what Alicia wants to hear, but no. man, um, because it's not a regular thing for us, it's an occasional thing for us, I don't handle it super well when my husband is home during a homeschool day. But maybe if we were more regular, we could get into more of a routine or have more of a um, plan. Is your husband home during the day sometimes? He's, he's not usually, but he does get every so many Fridays he'll have off. And if I try to keep a schedule here, like, you know, a general routine. And so I can feel her pain in that it definitely does not go smoothly when he is visible or you can hear him because it, he's a major distraction because it's exciting to see dad. Um, so a lot of times I'll just call it quits <laughs> and do it on another day. But I know that's, that's tricky. I don't know if I think if we had to do it all the time that I would maybe go somewhere else for part of it. Um, whether that's outside or maybe to the library because that's our issue would be maintaining focus because he's a huge distraction for my little friends. Yes. Yeah. A fun distraction, but, yes. um, a distraction is, is a distraction, right? I was mm -hmm. thinking, I just saw something that, um, you know, Dawn from Lady Dusk. Yes. She wrote something really smart and I'm trying to remember where I saw it, where she said that if her husband's working from home, it's different than if he's home for the day. So if he has a day off, they take the day off of school, which right. I think is really smart because you're just probably going <laughs> to all be competing for trying to get stuff done. It's just going to maybe get, but if he's working from home, he's kind of doing his own thing. Maybe. I don't know. I, right. That's what happens if, if my husband's at home. Um, so yeah, if he's, off for the day, we try to plan to do something together that's maybe like a field trip or at least something fun. Or sometimes what happens is he's covering for me because I have to work or I have um, an event or an appointment or something. So he's actually in charge. Um, he doesn't do a whole lot of homeschooling though because it's hard to have somebody else jump in for you, I think. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that whole substitute teacher thing. <laughs> right. Right. Like, dad, that's not how we do that type of thing. <laughs> um, I like your idea of going somewhere 
going to the library, going outside, going to a park, going to a field trip, something that takes you out of the house because the sleeping part Mm -hmm. would be tricky, especially, especially with little ones. Um, I would yes, maybe our house is always loud. buy him a pair of sleep phones <laughs> that I love so much <laughs> or um, get him a white noise machine or something. I was just going to say white noise. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because we have this exact situation happening today in our house. My husband is, it's 1030 here. My husband's going to be home in um, just a few minutes and he worked all night. So... I'm going to take the kids out, go to the library, run some errands, do some things once he gets home, because otherwise, I don't know if he would be able to sleep very well. It's a hard one. <laughs> that is, it's, it is tricky. Yeah. I feel like we're not being super, super helpful, because <laughs> it's hard to picture yourself in that situation. Well, on a regular basis, it, it's way different, though, because... Um, I mean, you almost have to sort of establish something sustainable, you know, mm-hmm. like for us, if it happens once a month or once every other month or something like that, which is my situation, um, we just kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater for the day. Right. <laughs> right. It's like a luxury that we can do that versus if this was your, your day to day. Yeah. Then I would have to have some sort of ground rules too on his part. Also, that he knows that he's being a distraction mm-hmm. and maybe prep your coffee beforehand or <laughs> right. I'm trying to think of what, because I'm just picturing us all in the kitchen and then my husband just roaming through randomly throughout the day. That would be a huge distraction. <laughs> yeah. it, it would. It would be tough. Uh, maybe giving him something to do uh, that's like his part of homeschooling. I don't know. Uh, maybe if you're going to be working one-on-one with a child and he can hang out with That's another one, but I'm getting, I'm getting tied up with the need to sleep. So I guess when he's sleeping, maybe that would be the time to head out of the house and let kids get lots of loud energy out. And, um, maybe that would help with focus too. You know, if they're able to get out and run around and, Yes. Um, head to places like if there's, if the weather's bad. I mean, if the weather's nice, there's parks, nature places, all that good stuff. Um, if the weather is not so cooperative, heading somewhere like a trampoline park or an indoor gym or anything like that, just to get lots of energy out. And then that would help with focus a little bit. And then, like you said, ground rules, you know, like... We're going to be working on school today from 10 to 1 and just knowing that that's the time. Um, Lots of communication, I think. I think there would have to be like a big chat about this and figuring out Mm -hmm. how to make it work long term. Um, So I I guess the one good thing that comes out of this is, Alicia, you are not alone that it sounds awkward. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I want to say, too, that even though we might not have this exact situation going on all the time, I can think of a handful of friends right now who unfortunately don't have blogs. So I'm going to have to think about who I know that blogs about it. But there are so many people that have spouses that work from home that have those sort of, you know, crazy hours when you have to call over to another country at such and such time. And um, so you're not alone. Yes, 
Definitely. That's true. Um, it would be nice if, if we can connect people. Maybe people can comment on this post if they have the same situation and they could provide some support and understanding for Alicia. Um, that's a good point that, you know, like there's, it's becoming more and more common that people have spouses working at home or that we as homeschool moms are working from home. So I bet there's other people out there for sure. There must be. Yeah. You know, this kind of, in a way, in my mind is leading into our second question about setting up for the week, because I think maybe things come up. Not every week is going to look exactly the same. There's going to be appointments. There's going to be things that shift time-wise and everything else. So maybe if they had a chance to sit down um, and chat each week, even if it's 10 or 15 minutes, because I know that's hard when you have kids. <laughs> um, it is. But if they could sit down and chat about that particular week ahead, instead of trying to say, because, you know, his work schedule might shift or change or whatever, I'm not really sure. Um, so if they could sit down and, and say, like, this week, this is what we're looking at. How are we going to make this work? Something like that. That's smart. Yeah. Do you want to read the second question from Erica? Sure. Okay. Sure. Hello, sisters. I'm curious. Do you set aside a specific time to prepare for each coming week? I hear you make comments about setting out new things every week, like Kate switching out board games and putting a new vocabulary word on her children's mirror. I have a baby that I nurse all evening long, and I feel like on Monday morning I'm scrambling. I know we are I know what we are going to do, but we always seem to start late as I'm finalizing my stuff. I have all littles, and right now what we do is short preschool lessons and circle time. I feel it's only going to get more complex, and I need to find some planning time and guard it. Any ideas or suggestion would be helpful. Even helping me picture how you do it could benefit me. And sincerely, thank you for all you do. I love every episode. Erica. Oh, thank you, Erica. That's really nice. That is nice. Okay, planning. (laughs) (laughs) Homeschool planning and getting everything ready. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I, will, I go Oh, through, sorry, go ahead. No. Um I go through phases. So at the beginning of the year and when I'm feeling anxious <laughs> about what we're doing. So either when I'm super motivated or super anxious, I sit down on Sunday nights and I come up with a plan in a in a notebook, just a spiral notebook that I have about what I'd like to do during the week. Um and it I don't I don't have to stick to it. Um, and we've talked about this before too. I find it easier a lot of times to write down what we've done in retrospect because I feel better about it than what we try to do and don't get to, um, with games, I do pull out, if there's subjects we've been slacking on, I will pull out games that I'd like to get to during the week and leave them on the coffee table. And I do the same thing with books that I'd like to read for coffee and books. I'll just pull them out. Uh, often on Sundays, although not always. Um, but lately we've just been, we've had more of a literature based curriculum phase that we're in. And so we just focus on the books that we're reading and then add in bonuses here and there. So I feel like when you're reading certain books, it almost makes it easier to plan. And I don't know if that's helpful with littles. If you just have a big stack of books you'd like to get through during the week on each subject, that might be helpful. Definitely. I'm thinking back to when I had little tiny people and I 
I did the Sunday night scramble <laughs> um, when it was trying to get everything ready for the week ahead. And I tried a few different things. I tried having a box for each day of the week that we were going to do um, and putting everything in that box and then putting it away in the closet where nobody could see it. Um, and that worked for a season. I tried um, writing out what we were going to do each day. And like you said, sometimes that works against you a little bit because then if you don't get to that, you feel like, oh, we didn't get anything done today or whatever. Um, and I prefer writing things down at the end of the day too. Um, what I do now is I have my big picture bullet journal planning page and I write down the things that I'd like to do um, during well, I mean, just in general for homeschooling. And then I kind of put those in my bullet journal as ideas for the week and we'll transfer them to certain days. And we also have kind of an informal structure where Mondays now we're doing a science type thing. Wednesdays we're doing art. Tuesdays we have co-op. So that's separate in my mind. And then, um, you know, we have different Thursdays we're doing poetry and then Friday is kind of our catch all day of <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> what didn't we do this week? Cause there's always something, you know? Um, but I find that taking a minute each day to just kind of get ready for the next morning, even if it's when the kids are playing outside or whatever, where I kind of stack up my books. We have a bin that we keep all of our books in. We that, do the same. Um, and that helps because then everything's there and I'm not chasing things around the house because, oh my goodness, has this ever happened to you where you're like, oh, I just need to go look for that book and you come back and no one's there, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have kids that roam off with the current read-alouds if I don't put them in the bin and hide it. Yes. <laughs> this yeah. bin is my space. <laughs> yeah. And, and when we go to the library during the week, I'll grab books and I'll just sort of think, these are books that I want to try to get to this week. And if we don't, I just save them for the next week. I, I really like the timing of this question selfishly because I just got the big box of Marie's words that you've talked about using and putting up on the mirror. I love so, them. So um, I've been trying to think of a way to best display those in my house. So, um, you know, it's kind of still, I'm kind of still figuring it out. I've been doing it for eight years, kind of still figuring it out. It all changes, you know. Um, we've been doing those Simply Charlotte Mason art, uh, study. I almost pulled things. that out this week. Yeah. And so I try to, I just keep that in the bin and then I just, I kind of just pick one spur of the moment, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, when we do art on Wednesdays and it, it seems like it, it changes and evolves kind of how, you know, I set things up for the week or whatever. I, on a good week, I try to get things organized on the weekend and have everything set up on a bad week. I sort of rely on the fact that I tend to keep things grouped together, you know, mm -hmm. and that way at least they're close. If I think, Oh shoot, it's Wednesday. I'm supposed to have our picture study picture ready. Do you, what is I your, I think a huge piece of it is organization. Yeah, just knowing yeah. where your stuff is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah, just kind of having a general idea of what you want to accomplish 
want to accomplish in a week, even if it's, if it's written down, if it's, like I said, I kind of use my bullet journal for that now. Um, but you have a spiral notebook system that works. Um, I you can even just use a planner. Yeah. And, and for a while I used our, um, chalkboard, uh, dry erase board and kind of put things on there, um, of what we wanted to do on a daily basis. Now that my kids are older, they actually really like it if I put things on our calendar because they kind of want to know what to expect, you know, each day. My kids love to do lists with little check boxes. Yeah. (laughs) They take after their mom. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I know that they get so excited about a list. (laughs) You've done like the Sarah McKenzie spiral notebook for now you've done that like for your kids too, or is it more that you sort of have adapted it for your use? I started off using it for the kids and then I adapted it for my use. And the problem that I have with the kids is that I have one kid who loses everything. Like he loses shoes that he's wearing. And so inevitably every year he loses his, and then it starts this whole kerfuffle and we just abandon those. So now I just do a little like, you know, post-it note if they want it, this is what I'd like you to do. These are your must do's. And like, these are our bonuses. That's what we usually call it. And they just really like, right now we're in a phase where they're doing a lot. We talked about this on the last episode. They're doing, um, their math and Spanish online. And also we're experimenting with a language arts program online too. So they are pretty independent in that. And then we come back together for all of our read alouds and science and things like that. So they like being able to check boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Kids love that. I love that. Come on. I love it too. <laughs> I have lists on my list. <laughs> There's a, an article that I read a while ago about how, um, checking a box gives you an endorphin rush, you know? So it, it literally makes you feel, you know, better to like check something off a box. So sometimes I'll just make lists just so I can check things off, you know, and include things you've already done. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll get up in the morning too. And if I haven't set things out the night before I will, I'll just take like an index card and write down kind of what I want to try to get done that day. I try to keep it short because it's discouraging if you don't get through all of it, you know? Um, so I'll write like, okay, we definitely need to do Life of Fred. We're going to watch a science video. We're going to do our read aloud, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And if we have anything else on that particular day and then just, so I have that to kind of. I like that. I think, is it Melissa's article? Melissa Kamara Wilkins has an article about why you should only have three things. I forget what it's called, but it's like the three thing to do list. I've tried to do that so many times and I can never limit it to three, but I want to. (laughs) It, it helps me because then I see anything else kind of like what you said as a bonus. Right. Um, but I also sometimes need to write down more than that just to get it out of my head. Cause I feel like otherwise I'm, yeah, (laughs) I'm trying to keep track of too many things. So So probably the only thing I would add is with so many littles, really just focus on reading good books and playing with your kids and don't worry too much, especially when you're nursing, because I remember that and that's, that is hard. So pop on an audiobook and snuggle up and enjoy those kids. And that counts. You know what I just thought of too, is that if she's doing circle time, there are some really good resources out there for 
um, books back from my Waldorf days, I remember, that had finger plays and, um, you know, different rhymes and verses for kids to memorize and stuff. So if she has access to some of those, it might be good. And my system was always just to use like post-it notes <laughs> and stick them on the pages. And then we could kind of go through and we would stick with a rhyme or a little story or whatever for, you know, several weeks. So the kids could kind of get used to it. We didn't try to change it up too often. Sometimes we would even stick with things for a whole season so that I wasn't having to reinvent the wheel every time we sat down. And my kids actually liked that consistency. And um, if, think, if something got really bored, you know, boring after a while, we would change it. But they liked it, and they learned it, and they memorized it. So it was good. And we kept all of our resources for that in a basket. So if there were, like, little finger puppets that went with or anything, and we had our circle time basket, which kind of eventually evolved into our morning time basket which is kind of funny, but I love that. Yeah. I'll, um, we'll put in the show notes. I, cause I can't think of those books off the top of my head, but we can put them in the show notes for sure. And then, um, there's some really good ones out there, really beautiful books with tons of good resources. So having that too, just having those resources available and ready to go. And in one place, I'm a big fan of baskets and I am too bins and you <laughs> all know over my house <laughs> yeah and uh we kept like our you know our read aloud books were in a basket by the couch and now we're sort of set up in our dining room and we have I call it the school shelf we kind of keep everything on there so if we're going to swap out something like games I swap out the games that are on the school shelf put them downstairs bring up new ones if we're going to swap out books or whatever we swap them out in the bins. Um, so kind of having like a place for those things to go helps me mentally. And then I know, okay, the read alouds we're going to put in the read aloud basket, the circle time stuff we're going to, or the morning time stuff will be in the morning time basket. And then that ha helps because it's just grab and go. So our next question is from Kelly and Kelly writes, okay, I've been listening to your podcast, even though I'm not currently homeschooling. That's okay. We found out we actually have a lot of people that aren't currently homeschooling or aren't planning on homeschooling, which is kind right. of interesting. And they're welcome here too. Okay. We're happy to have everybody. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I, I've had quite a journey and to make a long story short, I started out not wanting to homeschool and did for one very unsuccessful year, my oldest supposed kindergarten year, but she is born late in the year, so really it didn't matter too much. It was like I held her back. It was unsuccessful because I didn't realize at the time that she is dyslexic, and we just butted heads so much with learning. Then, with lots of unfortunate circumstances, homeschooling just wasn't an option. Fast forward to today, and I have five children all under the age of 10. My two oldest girls are begging me to homeschool them and my son, who is in kindergarten. But he has some sensory issues and possibly ADHD. We're getting a diagnosis soon. And I'm really feeling that now is the time to homeschool them. Really, though, I'm terrified of failing again and how it's going to look, especially with a breastfed baby and all the family dynamics. My question is, how do I deal with the transition from public school to homeschool? And how do I help my children transition well, too? 
What expectations should I have for how my day looks? And what are some expectations that many people have when they begin that I should just throw out the window? And I know this is three questions. Sorry. Is it possible to homeschool (laughs) children with learning disabilities better than the schools? Ladies, I love listening to your podcast. It's encouraging and inspiring. Thank you so much. Those are great questions. Yes. How do we start at the beginning here? Okay, so how to transition? Yes, let's start with that. Um, You need to de-school, and nobody ever wants to because you feel like you were, especially if you're worried that you're going to fail, you feel like you're uh, being negligent. But if your children have been in public school, you need to pull them out and just enjoy each other. And it's going to feel like a long time, but you need to do it until everyone is good again with each other and their relationships and is just ready to learn. I was thinking de-schooling too. What are some good resources for somebody who wants to do that? Because like you said, it can feel like we're just not doing anything, which is the fear of a new homeschooler, Mm -hmm. right? That they're not doing enough. Um, I'm trying to think. Does Holt talk I always about rely on Holt. Deschooling, yeah. And I think. Well, he talks about how the, the reason why I love Holt, and this is just, and I loved him before I was homeschooling, just as an educator, is that he just talks about how kids learn. And we as adults who have been through public school tend to overthink it, and kids are learning. So even if you're not doing school, they're learning something. And He's like therapy to read his books when you're feeling, you know, a little lost in your homeschooling or if you're just at the beginning of the journey, I think he would be very helpful to read. Definitely. And the time that you feel like you should be doing math or you should be doing spelling or you should be doing whatever, I would instead maybe read read books the same thing. about homeschooling and start to figure out what you want your homeschool to look like and just really, really focus on relationships and not school, <laughs> which feels super counterintuitive and a little scary, but focus on making sure everybody's getting plenty of good rest. You're eating good meals and you're having fun together and read, read, read. And let your kids sort of shake off some of that stuff. Because if it wasn't working, there's going to be some negativity. Residual stuff. Yeah, yeah, associated with school. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to try to recreate that same structure and try to jump in 155% because what's probably going to happen is it's going to backfire and you're going to get burned out and frustrated and your kids are going to put up a fight and it's all going to feel really hopeless. And don't go out and buy a ton of curriculum. Yeah. And don't feel like you have to decide, okay, we're Charlotte Mason homeschoolers. (laughs) (laughs) No, just be you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You you don't have to pick a camp. I promise. (laughs) It's and if okay. you're really, really, really feeling like you need to do something, go to the library and get picture books on those subjects. Just fun picture books. Yeah. And don't even tell your kids that this is a math picture book. Just read them a picture book. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Reading together um, will cover so many bases in the beginning. And you don't, you don't need to try to fix it all at once. 
you know, if your child was struggling with math or um, you said your oldest is dyslexic. So if there's reading difficulties, it doesn't have to be, well, this is the year that we're going to, you know, get reading on track with grade level or whatever. If you can try as much as possible to let that go a little bit and instead focus on making reading enjoyable and books enjoyable. And I mean, I would say anything you can do to really make it feel like you're just all together and kind of warm and cozy. Yeah. Mary from not before seven has some amazing posts about party schooling <laughs> and, um, <laughs> that'd be a great way to intro to right? And the, the book clubs that she does, she just did one on, um, like a green ember book club that just sounded so much fun. And I could just imagine, you know, you're pulling these kids out of school and, um, feeling maybe a little unsure or whatever. And if you could all just read the green ember and cook oh my food goodness. to go with that or whatever, and just let that be school for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I think that that could be an amazing antidote to many, many things. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and to answer your question about, can you homeschool children with learning disabilities? Absolutely. Um, the, the woman that I talk about all the time, who's my homeschool mentor up the street, she pulled her, her dyslexic son out of school in sixth or seventh grade when he finally learned to read because the system was failing him and he is amazing. And so you, you can, you absolutely can. Yes. And there are a lot of people who do it. And we have an episode with Shauna Winger where she mm -hmm. talks about her, all that she does. I would recommend following her. She has a dyslexic son. Um, but and there's her, tons her of resources. Yes. Her books. There's mm -hmm. tons of resources online. There's tons of blogs of people who are homeschooling kids with disabilities. Um, is it my Marianne? son is very, Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. Marianne. Is it, um, is it Marianne Sutherland? Yes. Sutherland. Is that right? Who has is it? tons of resources mm -hmm. for homeschooling when your child is dyslexic. So that might be another Such place to resource. go to. And I'm sorry, you were going to say something about your son that cut you off. Oh, I just, when, when I was reading about your kindergartner who has sensory processing and ADHD, I think you said, um, that's like my oldest. And I will tell you that homeschooling was the absolute best thing for that kid, <laughs> for that bouncing little bean to be able to just take breaks and let him run outside and climb a tree and then come back in and read to him while he's climbing a tree. We do that too. It's the, like the best that you can do for a kid like that. And I think you have I'm tons. biased, but <laughs> <laughs> well, so you have <laughs> tons of posts that you've written about different ways that you're making that work too in your homeschool from um, bouncy things that you know help with sitting you know for long <laughs> periods of time of and <laughs> yeah and so there's there's lots of stuff on your site too that would be really helpful so definitely taking time to de-school, the time that you feel like you should be doing something, you know, reading helpful posts and gathering information and just setting yourself up for your own expectations. Cause that's the third part of the question is, you know, what expectations do people have? And too many. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's going to be the hardest of all of it. Yeah. We're hardest on ourselves. I, I, remember starting out thinking I was going to have this sweet little Waldorf school 
in my living room, you know, and that we were going to do such and such every day and such and such every week. And when it didn't work, I felt like I was failing. And so as much as possible, I mean, tell yourself that this first year it, you just really want to work on relationships and shaking off some of that public school stuff Mm -hmm. and don't worry about what other people are doing other than for encouragement um, and information, not for comparison's sake, you know? Right. Um, I mean, that's why like your posts are so great. Shauna's posts are so great because it's not about comparing kids or how far somebody's getting with a certain subject or whatever. It's about just support mom to mom. So those are two places to go for sure. Definitely. And know that your homeschool is not going to look the same when you start as it will, you know, two months down the road, six months down the road. Um, And the really neat thing about homeschooling kids who have disabilities is that you're not just focused on the disability anymore as they tend to be in public school and bringing that up, but you can see where your kid has true strengths and every kid does. And so by working on those, you're building your kid up and he or she is going to feel so much more competent and happy just because you, you can work on those things that he or she's really good at. Yeah. Shauna has a great post about that, um, at simple homeschool. So we can link to that too. And the last thing I would say is the very fact that you're thinking about this, that you're being so intentional about it means you're not going to fail. And even if you end up doing this for a half a year or a year, and then your kids want to go back to school or you want your kids to go back to school, that's not a failure. That's just figuring things out and doing what makes sense for your kids at a certain point and, you know, let, try to, try to let any of that guilt go and not beat yourself up and just as much as you can enjoy things, take it one day at a time. Have a good book to read in the morning before they come downstairs. I think it's just great to have something to remind yourself because I find um, with the people who are unexpected or reluctant homeschoolers, the hardest part is shaking everything that you thought about school and just relaxing into it. It's really hard to do. <laughs> Even yeah. a few few years in, as soon as you get stressed out about something, it can sort of all creep back where you're thinking, but what about math or what about reading? And then you just need to kind of relax and trust the process. So you yes. can sneak that reading in before your kids come down in the morning. So something like that, something that encourages you and reminds you that you don't have to have it all figured out until your kids graduate from high school. You just have to figure out how that day you're going to do something fun together and, and be together and make some fun memories. You know, that's so true. So our next question is from Lynn and Lynn says, I love your podcast on an upcoming session. I would love to hear your insights about cognitive academic testing when starting out pros and cons. Is it worth the investment? Keep up the great work. Lynn in Vermont. Well, thank you, Lynn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's very nice, too. So many nice, nice questions. Did you do 
cognitive testing with your oldest? We did. We did both. He was in school at the time. So he was in kindergarten and he was having a really, really hard time. And I knew that part of that hard time was because he was very bright. And even though he had real weaknesses, because he does have, you know, he presents as a kid with ADHD, if you were to label, you know, he has sensory processing challenges. Um, So he has some real weaknesses, but he's also very intelligent. And he was reading um, Harry Potter and The Hobbit when he was in kindergarten. And so he was this really asynchronous little guy that the school didn't really get because they saw they saw the behaviors. They saw him calling out in class and being impulsive and, you know, rocking in his chair and dropping pencils and things like that. So I felt that if we had him tested, they would have data. You know, we have a great school district. They would have data and they would meet his needs. And unfortunately, (laughs) a lot of times when you have kids that are twice exceptional, the school is not willing to accommodate both the strengths and the weaknesses, and we ended up homeschooling him. Um, in retrospect, testing, I, it's a big decision because we did out, an outside evaluation with someone who is familiar with this type of population, and I don't regret it at all because it was what prompted us to homeschool because the evaluator told us with a kid with our, you know, a a student with a profile like our son's in our state is his needs are not going to be met in a public school or even a private school setting. There is no, there is no environment (laughs) right now that that will happen consistently each year. So, and she gave me tons of stuff to read and, and we ended up here. So, so it was a great choice. If we had started out homeschooling, which I wouldn't have because of the, you know, we just kind of landed here. But if we had started out homeschooling, I think I would have been less inclined to have him tested for the cognitive and academic piece. Um, we did also have, before we did this, the psychologist recommended because we suspected sensory processing and attentional stuff. She recommended that we do an OT eval and we did that first. Um, and that was very helpful because that got us services that he needed that helped him with the weaknesses he was having. So I think I'm rambling, but I think that if I were to start off just straight homeschooling without the public school piece of needing accommodations, I would be less inclined to test unless I thought that my child had a disability that they needed services for. And in that case I would. So I haven't, people always ask me if I, if I've tested my younger two and I haven't right now because there hasn't been any sort of, um, you know, remarkable weakness that they, that I feel like I can't handle here that I would need outside help for. Oh, I love that. I don't think that was rambling at all. I think that that was (laughs) spot on. I, you know, it's, it's interesting because we've talked about this. I kind of had a similar situation with my son. He was in school, and so they asked about testing because he was reading early. And they did, and they gave us that information. We sat down. We talked it over. We talked about what our options were in that particular school setting. And it was going to be difficult because they wanted to bring some of the other skills up to that same level as the reading. So they wanted us to go home that summer and really get him writing and fine motor stuff was hard with 
a four-year-old, you know, he, he just mm-hmm. wasn't there. So we knew that that was going to be incredibly frustrating. And instead of spending the entire summer working on handwriting, we spent one day working on handwriting and I thought, all right, no way. <laughs> this is going to be one miserable summer. So we ended up homeschooling. So, um, he was tested. My daughter who was homeschooled from the beginning wasn't, and I've never really felt like we needed to, and I've never really felt like that information changed the way that we went about things. Um, the information from my son's testing, it it didn't really affect things. I mean, we know where he stood at that time certain percentages and things like that. It just, it hasn't really made a difference for us long-term. So again, you know, like you said, going back, if, um, we were given the option to test when he was that age, I I don't think we would have done it if we hadn't been in that particular school situation. So definitely if it was a situation where we had to pay for it, I would rather just spend that money on books and games and fun stuff. <laughs> right. right. The, the other thing I didn't mention that I should have is that, um, if your child, if, if you have a gifted or twice exceptional child and you're looking to get, um, do outside programs either through John Hopkins or, um, CTY that that's another reason why you might want to look at testing. Cause some of those programs, uh, require them after a certain age. And I know we were able to, um, connect with the Davidson young scholars program. And that was really helpful at the beginning for us. But I don't know that I, at the age that he was, I don't know that I would have tested if we were homeschooling just for that connection. Mm-hmm. Costs. Yes. Factor. Definitely. And definitely if you suspect that there's some kind of learning difference at play or something like that, it can be really, really helpful to just get that. It can help you connect with services. It can help you, um, know where you need to maybe get some extra help or look for some different types of, uh, curriculum or, um, so, um, I, I think it's a personal decision and there's no right or wrong answer. And it just kind of depends on your unique kiddos and what, what you're hoping, you know, what you need from outside, whether it's special education services or outside services of some sort, you know, and in states that require testing at certain points, it might be nice to have that baseline to, to refer back to in a stricter, Mm -hmm. um, in a state that has stricter requirements. So it really, it really depends. And, I think you're right. What works for your family? What makes sense for you? What helps you sleep at night as a mama? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So our last question is from Faith. And Faith says, hi, sisters. I have a six-month-old son. I know he's young, but I'm a dreamer. And I've recently decided that homeschooling is the best option for providing our family with the life we want to have. I binged on all of your podcasts and brought my husband on board. It actually took very little convincing to bring him from no way to someone who would passionately defend homeschooling as our future decision. We haven't shared our decision with others, but I've taught in public school settings for six years. I know that our decision will ruffle some feathers of friends and family who teach. Did you ever lose any friends to this decision? Also, how do you get your children excited about homeschooling? My fear is that my kids won't be as excited as my husband, as my husband and I are about missing out on the public school experience and that potential conflict will be for nothing. Did any of your children react negatively to the idea of homeschooling? 
thanks, Faith. That seems like a two-parter. Yeah, I love that she's already <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, good for her. I had a family member who knew from the minute that, even before her kids were born, that they were going to homeschool. And um, I always really admired that about her because I was never very certain about anything when it came to parenting or <laughs> anything. And she was just so, so clear on that. Um, but I'm also lucky because she paved the way for us with family, at least on one side of the family. So that was really nice to have somebody else who was doing it and was raising great kids. So that helped a lot. That is great. Now I want to ask you though, because you worked in public schools. So how, how did it work for you when you decided to homeschool? You know, I had the, a lot of the same feelings that Faith has, and I was really worried about telling people. And I always joke, part of the reason why I started the blog in the first place was just to kind of put it out there all at once and not be able to backpedal <laughs> because it seemed so scary um, to hold myself accountable. Um, but I, I think she'll be surprised. I think, um, first of all, there's a lot of teachers who are homeschooling. I, I know so many families, both online and in real life that are homeschooling and they worked in the field of education. And there's a lot of reasons for that, that I won't get into, but a lot of the reasons that people leave for homeschooling is, are the same reasons that educators leave the field right now. Um, and so I think you'd be surprised and that those true friends of yours will be extremely supportive. Um, we've had people donate. I mean, I had someone donate um, crickets for us to <laughs> dissect. Like I've had the best experiences with my educator friends, letting us borrow materials or giving us great tips for projects. And they can be a, a fantastic resource. So I think, I think at first saying the words is harder than actually than the reaction in a lot of cases. I love that you, like you said, you put it out there all at once. Um, it's like, you know, when, I don't know, I've never changed like my Facebook status to, you know, in a relationship or something, but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I was out there. Every yeah. <laughs> I was far into a relationship by the time I had Facebook, but you know, by just kind of putting it out there, like, okay, here we go. And, um, confronting it that way. Um, because yeah, I was braced for negative, but I, I didn't, the, the people who I have received a negative reaction from are not my friends. They're not my family. They're, you know, people who don't totally understand it or think it's some sort of a judgment on your school district, um, that think somehow your decision is a, is an insult to their mm -hmm. beliefs, but they're not, they're not close to me. So it's not even a you know, whatever. <laughs> well, when you were saying that, I was kind of thinking about how some people can see your parenting choices as an attack on their parenting choices. If it's different, you know, like, exactly. um, if you're going to cloth diaper or use, you know, disposable diapers, or if you're going to breastfeed or not breastfeed or, you know, whatever. Um, it's that idea that I'm not homeschooling at you, you know, right. <laughs> You don't I've have to be, to <laughs> yeah, you, you don't have to take this as an indictment of the fact that you are choosing public schooling. Um, I think some people can, some people are a little more naturally defensive than others and might see that as an attack 
Um, but I was surprised. I One of the people that really felt like a homeschooling mentor to me was a public school teacher. And she just, like you said, gave us books. And when she retired, she gave us a classroom worth of books. It was amazing. And most people, I think, saw it as we were making that choice for our family because of our unique circumstances. And so I think that if you can kind of just keep the conversation there, that, you know what, it feels right for us. Um, or we're going to try it. You, you don't have to, you, you also don't have to do the, we are going to do this. We are going to do it until they graduate. <laughs> it is going to be wonderful. My kids are going to be smart and talented and better than yours. You know, you don't have to like put a bumper sticker on the back of your car or anything, you know, <laughs> you can, just, I always say it's the best choice for us right now. It, that's yeah. That's kind of where I'm, where I'm coming from too, because I don't always know. We might at some point switch gears. Who knows? Um, so I think that's a really, really good way to approach it. Um, what about her question with kids being um, disappointed about homeschooling or wanting to try public school or feeling like they're missing out on that? I always wonder if this is going to happen more later for us, but my oldest went to school in kindergarten and didn't, it, all of my kids loved preschool. They were at a play-based preschool and they loved that. And then my oldest went to kindergarten and it was a terrible year. So he was happy to come home and he's a very independent learner. He's very passion driven and just, he's not a kid that's hard to homeschool in that respect. He's just always learning tons of stuff and you can present something and he thinks it's an awesome idea and he runs with it. So to him, he's experienced that bit of school and has to this point has had zero desire to go back. My daughter went to kindergarten because we gave her the option. We said, do you want to stay home with your brother? Do you want to go to public school? And she loved her little girlfriends and she wanted to go to kindergarten. So she did. And she was all about kindergarten for the first six weeks. And then she just hit a wall. Um, and I think it's really hard when you have, you know, homeschooling can be really fun and you're not in school, you know, doing school for as long as the kids in public school are. And she was just seeing what we were doing versus what she was doing. And she had trouble with the length of recess that they had. And she was also reading ahead. And so around Columbus day, she start, we started to get grumblings and we didn't know whether, how serious it was. And then by Thanksgiving, it was very clear. She just did not want to go back and we were going to hold her off till Christmas. And then we ended up pulling her before and she's never asked to go back. Um, she does, I mean, she misses her friends during the day, but you know, it's tricky when you have the public school friends. Our youngest, we asked him if he wanted to go to kindergarten and he said, no, <laughs> he's just like kind of, <laughs> he's happy doing his thing here. So, mm -hmm. but I mean, if, if they wanted to go back, I would have a conversation with them about it and see how serious they were. And I'm not opposed to having them try it, but it would have to be for an amount of time. You can't just like dip in and dip out. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's interesting because most of the kids that I know that have been homeschooled from the beginning, um, they don't want to go to public school necessarily, but there's certain things that they, they want to experience like having a backpack or 
packing bus ride. a lunch or riding. Yeah. And that, that was my son. He really wanted to know what it was like to ride a school bus. And we were lucky enough to do a field trip with his preschool. And he was like, all right, that's done. I rode a bus. I know what that's like now. <laughs> um, so it's kind of funny. Sometimes if you ask them um, what they're what they're feeling like they're missing out on or what they're wanting to experience, it's something so simple. It's really right. not, I want to go to school. Um, it's, I really want to pack a lunch and go to a museum field trip or something or you know, like I said, with one of my kids, it was a backpack and we found that co-op helps with that. They still have sort of that getting up, getting ready to go somewhere, packing a lunch, packing a backpack. We go for the day. They're with other kids, you know, their age, they're learning from people that aren't mom. That's really good. So sometimes having those kinds of things can help too, a co-op or a class or a program that they really like. I don't, really know the kids that I know that have been to public school tend to say they don't really want to go back and the kids that have never been there I don't think they know like what it looks like it's sort of more what they see on tv or reading a book I was just gonna say that you get a lot through the media yeah yeah um and I remember like we listened to sparkle stories and Martin and Sylvia are a homeschooling family. And I thought, I wish there was, there were more things that depicted homeschooling families. <laughs> um, there's the Jonathan Bean book. This is my home. This mm-hmm. is my school. And there are some things out there that you can find that show homeschooling as a regular way of life. But you know, a lot, so many of the books, Diary of a Wimpy Kid or whatever, you know, Yeah. <laughs> where it's, you know, oh, school is just all about like trying not to touch the cheese on the playground, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, that's like 15 minutes a day of school. Literally 15 minutes. A lot of school is sitting at a desk and filling out worksheets or whatever. So, um, if My you daughter want all of said. that, <laughs> My daughter was so funny because when, when we were asking her, like, why do you want to come home? She said, well, at the beginning of the year, they used to let us play a lot, which is what they do when they're introducing you to kindergarten. She's like, so we used to have more time on the playground and we would have more free choice time or whatever they called it in the classroom. And then we got less of that. And when we go out to recess, by the time we think of something fun to do, they ring the bell and have us come back in. Oh man. I think that's so true. Cause when you think about it, it takes more than 15 minutes to come up with some imaginative scenario. It really does. Yeah. I was like, you know, you're onto something kiddo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So if you're already, if your child's six months old and you're already thinking about this, probably what's going to happen is you're going to be having so much fun that by the time they would reach school age, they're not even really going to notice But if they do, I would definitely encourage you to say, what is it that you want to do for school? And, um, you know, my daughter wants homework, you know, things like that. So (laughs) it just, it just kind of depends, um, on the personality of your child and they might, it might turn out that they just are so used to what you're doing that it never really becomes an issue. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, we got so many good questions again. And These were wonderful questions. They keep pouring in. So definitely send us your questions. Go to thehomeschoolsisters.com. Click on Ask Us a Question. Um, we're, we're getting through as many as possible. If you've sent one over, it's in the queue. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but we get, we get so many great questions that we haven't been able to get to all of them yet. Um, but keep sending them. Thank you. And yes, thank you for all the good questions. Um, and you can find show notes for this episode at thehomeschoolsisters.com. And we'll have links to everything we talked about. And um, I just remembered we got to talk about our thing that's bringing us joy. Yes. So what's bringing you joy? Um, not this weather that we're having right now <laughs> outside. It's rainy and miserable and cold and yuck. Um, so I have to think a little bit. I should have thought about this ahead of time. just leave it nothing <laughs> nothing is bringing me joy no, yesterday I, I ate an entire bag of cape cod potato chips and it felt good <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious why could i not think of one thing okay i got it all right okay so what is bringing me joy is on monday we started um i'm calling it a unit it's very informal it's herbology like from Harry Potter, we're going to do Love. plant study stuff, but kind of in a fun way that makes the experiments um, a little reminiscent of the books because we are reading through, I think, the sixth one right now. And so I thought this would be a fun way to I'm getting, I'm getting that I'm getting a, a signal that it's the fifth one. I was wrong. We're reading through the fifth Harry Potter right now. <laughs> Um, details. <laughs> thank you. And so, um, I thought that would be a fun way to do it. And I always like to do like growing experiments and fun things in the spring. So that's our approach. So right now we have flowers changing colors and we have potatoes, sweet potatoes sprouting. So it's good. I think it's going to be good. We're going to do that on Mondays for a while. So I what, love that idea. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I think it'll be fun. Um, what's bringing you joy right now? So I went to a hotel this weekend by myself and I read my book and I had 24 hours of silence <laughs> and that might sound really terrible, but it was a rough couple of weeks. It felt really good. <laughs> I love that. You said that that's a birthday or a mother's day present mother's day. And I hang on to it until inevitably I wear myself down and feel like crud usually after my kids have been sick which is what happened we had the healthiest winter ever and then they just caught everything in March just like had a germ party and um they're feeling better and I felt exhausted and so I cashed it in I love and it's not anything fancy yeah. it's not a resort or anything it's just like a you know just a hotel down the street <laughs> but it's quiet that's great though because sometimes you just need that time to take a deep breath and recover and you have you have tiny people still and you have a husband who works a lot so good for you I think that's great <laughs> and we should say that for Alicia's question we have an episode about husbands who work yes, a lot so there might be a few little nuggets in there too that might apply to her question all right well it has been great talking to you great talking to you too Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll have another episode in a couple of weeks. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'd love to answer your question next, so head to our site, thehomeschoolsisters.com, and click on Ask Us a Question. We share posts over there, too, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We'd also love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes so we can connect with more sisters out there. And until next time, remember, you got this, sister. Sister.